Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. Today's guest is Shane Carter. When Shane was 21, he had a near-death experience, and he encountered Jesus and an angel. And today we're going to talk about it. Shane, thank you so much for joining me, and welcome. Thank you, Jeff. I'm glad to be here. Should we start on the day of your NDE, or do you have some kind of prelude to it that kind of leads us in? I would like to tell experience I had prior to the NDE, and I think it kind of makes the NDE make more sense. Um uh, when I was about 19 years old, the NDE took place when I was 21. So when I was about 19 years old, after after I gave my life to Christ, I am a Christian. I was in a revival meeting, and uh, I was sitting there, and I got a conviction, and I heard the Lord's voice say, "Come to the front." And I said, Lord, I'm already saved. Why, why do I have to come to the front? And it just, it got, the experience got very strong. He got, he was pulling me very strong in the spirit. So I got up, walked down the aisle. Of course, as soon as I walked down the aisle, everybody started pouring out, following me. And I thought, well, that's why he wanted me to come down the front to kind of prime this thing, to kind of jump, you know, do a jump off for the rest of these people to be able to, but they all followed me down. So, I went down and sat at the at the altar, and I was kind of like, "Okay, what do I do now?" Because <laughs> I I didn't repent of everything I knew to repent of, and I didn't know what to go what to do next. So uh, I was sitting there, and I I started praying, and the next thing I know, everything went silent. I mean, the altar was full of people, and they were praying very loud. But I went into this trance, into this different place. All the voices stopped and it got quiet. And before me set this, it was like a screen, but it was, it was real. It was like 3D real. And so this gold dust starts trickling down and I'm watching this beautiful, flaky, shiny gold dust coming down. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's strange. 
And as it comes down, it forms the silhouette of a person. And then that person fades into view. And it was Christ. And he had long brown hair. And I was looking at the back of his head. And he had on a white tunic, a really beautiful white tunic. And he was looking the other way. And I was just looking at him. And I didn't understand why he wasn't looking at me. But he starts to turn. He started revolving. And he turned around, and I guess the first thing that I noticed was that his skin was darker than I expected it to be. I expected him to be this white Jesus that I seen, uh, you know, on all the pictures on the wall. But he was, he was very dark, olive skinned, and his skin was perfect. It was the most beautiful skin, and his total countenance was beautiful. He was just, just. I don't know how to say it because we think of handsome to a man and beautiful to women, but he was beautiful beyond what a woman was in beauty. And his hair came down about his shoulders and he, he had the most beautiful turquoise blue eyes, which also threw me a loop because I was thinking Middle Eastern brown, you know, some kind of a dark eye. Sorry, my phone went off. And so um, I'm looking at him in this euphoric love and peace and joy is emanating out of him. I had never felt such love and joy ever in my life. And it was coming off of him. And I could have stayed there forever. If he would have just let me stay there and stare at him, I would have stared at him forever. It was it was bliss utopia and so he's looking at me and then all of a sudden i start becoming aware that he is in control of everything he's in control of of all the atoms all the molecules all eternity is with him and then i started feeling him probing into my life with his eyes now i wasn't watching a life review but i was watching him look at me and i knew he was seeing me from that point forward and when he got done, he looked back into my eyes and nodded his head like that. And when he did, this lightning bolt of energy hit me, and it was almost like getting taken a punch in the bread basket. It bent me over, and I actually groaned out loud. I went, whoa, when it hit me. So then the voices come back of the people praying alongside the altar. All the voices come back. And I'm aware of pressure on my back. And what had happened is there was a lady uh, that was, she always sat on the first row when this particular preacher preached revival. She was on the first row. She'd come up and put her hand on my back. And I was completely unaware that she walked up and put her hand on my back. And she was speaking in a different language that I had never heard before. It was a tongue of some sort. And she was shouting and throwing her hands up. And I was sitting there still trying to recover from my electrical blow I took. And so I got back up and went back to my seat. So I had seen him, the most beautiful being I've ever seen in my life. And uh, he had this glory, this, this yellow gold light that just, it was just an aurora around him and had the prettiest blue eyes I've never seen. I, 
it's kind of like when you go, I've been to Panama City where the water is that real iridescent green and then it turns into a blue. That point in which it starts turning into blues for his eyes. That's the best way I can describe it. So I had this experience with him. Well, after that, I could feel him watching me. It was a really strange feeling. So I go forward. I'm going to work. I can feel him watching me. And then the near-death experience happens a couple of years later when I'm 21. So if you, if I, if I, since I prefaced this, this may make some of that near-death experience makes more sense. So I'm, I'm met my wife in that two years and we got married and we hadn't been married a year yet. We lived in a, a little town called Malsheim and we went to bed. She was a school teacher. I worked at a taco plant at that time. And so we went to bed, you know, and she, uh, sometime probably in the wee hours of the morning, three o'clock or so, I'm out cold. And I am startled by two hands grabbing my ankles with just authority. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Just grabbed my ankles and took up straight, just grabbed me out of the bed and took straight up in the air just as fast as I can describe, uh, the fastest I guess I've ever been is on a roller coaster. When you hit that drop, multiply that. It would have killed me had I been in this body. But I, I flew up, and the next thing I know, I'm going straight up, and I flip. And when I flip, I'm uh, upright now, and I'm aware of a presence. I'm in this darkness. I'm in darkness, okay? But I feel like I'm over top of my sign in the air, several hundred feet in the air, but I'm, I'm just kind of floating there. And I'm like, you know, trying to gather myself, what just happened? And I feel this presence over to my right and I, and I look to my right and it was as if there was an invisible man there. I could sense that he was there, but I couldn't see him. And then he spoke to me. And when he spoke to me, it was, it wasn't through my ears. It just came straight into me. And it was the most clear, precise voice I've ever heard. And I didn't know his voice. I had never heard this voice. And he said, you just died. And I was looking at him and I, I thought, you know, I'm dead. Well, it's kind of strange. I'm hanging up here in the middle of the air, <laughs> not afraid of falling. I had no sense of gravity. There was no pull. This this body is really heavy. And I had never experienced weightlessness before in my life. I had never experienced it. And I had no weight. And I'm hanging there in the middle of the air. And he said, you just died. And then it was kind of almost like a military thing. Prepare to meet Jesus Christ the Lord. Just matter of fact, no uh explanation, no apology for grabbing me around the ankles and taking off with me. <laughs> None of that. I'm just hanging in there. So when he said that, before me came this brilliant light. Um, the light was so vibrant and so clear and so bright, and it was silhouetting this mountain. There was a mountain behind it, and when the light came out, I 
was aware of the mountain, which is the Appalachian Mountains that I live near. I look at this mountain every day when I go to work. There was was a thing, though, that was different. This mountain had a different dimension about it. And I'm going to try to explain that. It had a layer that I that we don't have here on Earth. If, if you come to Malsheim, I can go point you out the mountain that I was looking at. But it was more sharp. It was more concise. It was more vibrant. Even though the light was behind it, the peak was higher. It was a different dimension. I was in a different place. I was still on Earth, but I wasn't in the body dimension. I was in a different dimension, and I, I like to call it the soul dimension. So I'm looking at this mountain and this light coming out from behind it, and the light was so beautiful, but it almost had a fold about it. It almost looked like silk. It was almost like if I could go over and touch it, I would feel it like a curtain, but it was just brilliant. So here I start going forward. To my right is my high school. Uh, I'm so enveloped on looking at the light, but I was aware that I was moving forward towards Andrew Johnson Highway, and over to my right was West Crane High School. And then I felt like I went to a point where I was near a bank that's there at, at Andrew Johnson Highway. So before I cross over into Johnson Highway, I hear a voice come out of that light. And it's the same voice that the Lord speaks to me still today with. And it said, and it wasn't speaking to me, but I heard it. Oh, there's one other thing I gotta, I gotta tell you. Time and space became, they were there, but they become irrelevant. Uh, when he spoke, he should have been 15 miles away, but it was like he was right in my face. It was like he was right there. So I got that sensation. Yeah, he's way over there, but he is so grand and so masterful that he's here too. So when he spoke, that time and space just disappeared. And he said, take him back. It's not his time. Which I felt euphoric. In the same way that I did when I seen the vision, I, I was, I, if he would have said to me, Jeff, uh, you, you don't have to go. Would you like to stay with me? I would have said, I'm staying with you. Now, granted, now that I've had two daughters and I've got three grandkids and a, another one on the way and I love them, but still, even at that, when you go, when you're with him, <laughs> you're home, you are, you're, you're, your fulfillment is complete. And I knew who he was. I knew it was Jesus. I knew he was the Lord. I knew he was controlling everything. I knew he was the glue that was holding atoms together. I just knew it. And so I turned around involuntary. I didn't turn myself. It turned me around. And I went just a small space, and then I was back. When I come back, I'm looking at this left hand, and now I can't feel nothing. I can't move my head. I can't move my arms. I can't move anything. I'm sitting there looking at my left hand, thinking, this is strange. And 
all of a sudden, it's as if somebody walked up to my chest and just went like that right in my chest. I feel this big thud in the middle of my chest. Now I'm awake. I can see the 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 uh, covers that's covering my wife's legs. I can see my left hand. This is real time. I'm in I'm in this world. I'm awake, but I'm not settled back into my body yet. And I'm just sitting there thinking, well, I mean, I can't feel nothing. And so this big thump in my chest happened, and I felt the blood come out of my chest. It started coming up through my chest, started going down through my abdomen. I had to lay there a good 10 minutes. I laid there 10 minutes till I could even wiggle my fingers. And it finally circulated to the point that my hand was doing this right here. I was sitting there watching my hand, and I could slowly feel my life coming back into the body. And I got to where I was wiggling, and, of course, I jumped up. (laughs) I wasn't ready. One thought that hit my mind when I was coming up, man, this is going to hurt. I'm going to get the blood stains, and this is going to hurt bad. But it never did, but I thought it was going to hurt. Like when your leg goes to sleep and you get the needles, that never happened. So I ran around the bed. I shook my wife. I said, I died. I died. And she said, what are you talking about? I said, I died. I said, I went through the roof. I said, he sent me back. He said, it wasn't my time yet. I said, I died. And she's like, you know, she's still asleep. She didn't, she didn't want to talk to me about it. I said, well, just forget it. So I walked into the living room. I noticed it was 3.14 on the clock. And I sat down and I just kind of kind of reflect what just happened to me. So that's that was the experience that I had. And uh, so I went to the doctor, of course, and I found out that I had a heart arrhythmia. My heart would beat eight times and then skip. And evidently, during that process, the skip didn't restart because it would go eight times and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It would do like that. So evidently, somewhere, and I'm, I'm just surmising this, that somewhere between the eight and one, that one never came. And I, my body died and out I went. Hmm. And so it was... I didn't use, I didn't tell anybody about it for a long time. And then when I come across people that I was trying to share Christ with, that was a hard case. I would tell them that I had experienced Christ and that he was really there. And that's what happened. Well, thanks for sharing those experiences with us. Why do you think Jesus shot a lightning bolt into your gut that day? I think that it was approval and also an impartation of a gift that I now enjoy. Um, I, I have a gift of interpretation and, uh, I, people call me about their dreams. I, I had, I had a experience after this that God was, um, he was, Convicted me to pray for two people really strong. I'd lay down the bed, got, become a game. I lay down the bed, and my heart would start racing. I'd get up, and he would tell me. I heard him just the same as I heard him say, "It's not your time," but he's speaking to me. He said, "Pray for your brother and for your cousin." And I knew what he meant because in saying that, the instruction of who it was was in that instruction when he talked to me. So I'd pray for my brother. I pray for my cousin. Well, this went on for two months. So one time I laid down waiting for the, you know, it was a game. It got become a game where my heart would start racing and then go to pray, and it didn't happen. And then I got worried. I got up and I said, 
I said, Lord, why, why don't you convict me to pray for my brother and my cousin? And he spoke to me. He said, you got through. And I was like, I got through. I thought, oh, wow. wow. I got through. I, I'm done. Well, my cousin died. And my brother got divorced. Mm. And I was questioning why. I mean, I got through. Yeah, you accomplished. I didn't know what it meant. And so I buried my cousin. And I was very sorrowful because my cousin, uh, he, he had come to Christ, but he had become an alcoholic. And I was very concerned about that. And, uh, I, I didn't, I, I got into this heavy thing if he didn't make it. The enemy was telling me he didn't make it. Yeah. God lied to you. He didn't really get through. So this whole process went on. And so I was still going to church and, and, Nobody knew that I was internally mourning. I was hiding it very well. And so I was there at church and his sister came running up to me and said, I seen Scott in a dream last night. And uh, sorry if I cry, I get emotional. I seen Scott in a dream last night and he told me to come tell you to quit worried about him, that he made it. And he was in, she said his hair was all, he was bald headed, he's at 27. He'd lost all his hair. He says, all his hair was back. He had on this long blue robe and he was standing in front of this mansion. And he said, tell Shane to quit worrying about me that I made it. Hmm. And she didn't even know. She didn't have it. Sorry. Emotional. <clears throat> she didn't even know that I was upset about it. And so I started getting these words and, and understandings about things. I, everything I ask God, he, he seems to answer me through understanding and I can hear his voice clearly. And, and so that I felt like that was the imparting of the gift. And I felt like the near death experience ignited it because it started happening more and more after that experience. People started coming and I was giving them. I was telling them words and different things and interpreting dreams and, and, and see, sometimes I would see visions. I've seen several visions. You don't mean to, am I rattling on too much? No, no, you're fine. <laughs> well, I seen, um, uh, I seen a vision of, I kept asking the Lord what the gift was that he gave me and, uh, the gift, I, I seen this vision of a trunk. Now, I know that back at the time I'm fixing to tell you, they probably didn't have trunks, but I knew what a trunk was because my mom always had trunks around. So I seen this trunk come up and it opened up and this light was coming out of it. And I said, Lord, what's that? And he said, that's the box of Daniel. That's your gift. And so that's your box. And so the box shut down in, in chapter five where it says to explain enigmas, that's, that's the gift he gave me. So. I get asked a lot of questions about what to do in certain situations and it's not, it's not me. I just understand what to tell them. I, t I won't do this and it happens. Things happen. I've had, uh, had a guy come to me and, uh, he, uh, was concerned about getting married. And I told him, I said, I got this word, this gift kicked in. And I told him, I said, God's got a wife for you. So he met this girl and started dating her. And I went to him and I said, that's not the one. And he was not convinced. So he, he married her and about a month later, they got divorced. And then 
Later on, he came to me. He said, I met another woman. I said, she's the one. I never even met her. I just knew it. And so he went and married her. He's still married. He's, he's had kids. He's one of the happiest people around. <laughs> so it, it, I don't know. It's like a, it's like a word of knowledge type interpretation type thing. How did these experiences change you as a Christian if they did? You know, I already knew him and, uh, I did ask him. I did ask him a question. I asked him why I couldn't see the angel. To answer your question, it gave me it gave me some experiences that I could share with other people that were harder to deal with and harder to talk to about the gospels, about about the the word of God. Uh, it it made it easier in certain situations. So I guess it changed me into the fact I was a little I'm a little more outspoken than I used to be about it, and. Uh, it helped me that way quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I mess up. I'm not saying that, but sure. I, I, I do, I do have courage now that I didn't used to have to talk to people about Christ. After your experiences, when you told your wife and your other friends and family, how did they take it? My wife didn't really say much. She, she, she. I asked her, you know, over the years. I said, "Do you remember when I woke you up that night?" Yeah, yeah, I remember. And I, was, and she just, I don't know. It, I don't know if it intimidates her a lot, but she don't talk. She don't talk about it much. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the, my friends, it, you know, they listen to me. They know, they know me. So it, it, I don't know. I guess the most powerful thing it did is it allowed me to talk to people who did, who weren't of the same faith or, and, and you know, some people told me, thanked me that I talked to them, told them it helped them through hard times. I don't know how it's affecting people other than it allows me to start the conversation. Uh, I did, uh, I did ask the Lord why I couldn't see the angel. I said, why didn't I see him? I said, these other guys get to see you and see the angel. And it was almost like he said, well, you didn't see me. And you were in the soul zone, the soul dimension. And I didn't know what that meant for a long time. But our bodies were in three dimensions. We're in this physical realm, this body. And our soul is in a different dimension. And I was in that dimension. And then the spirit is in a different dimension. And so that angel was a spirit being, and I wasn't in the spirit world. And so I didn't get to see him. And I didn't get to see Jesus. Now, this, the light that was coming out of the, out from behind the mountain, uh, that was the spiritual world. It's a place of light, but there's a dark place that's between this realm and the next one. There's this dark place that I went into that dark place. And it wasn't because I wasn't going. He just wasn't ready for me to go into the. And I think it probably would have been harder for me to want to. It's probably, you know, it says in there, it says, blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Mm-hmm. He probably didn't want to take some of my blessing away because I already believed in him before I seen him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I I think that's the reason he did. I just I don't think it was going to serve any purpose for me to get to see into that world other than to mourn that I'm not there yet. Right. Have you ever asked why me? Like, why did you choose me? 
I have a memory of when I was little that I want to tell you about. I heard a voice. I heard uh, a voice of a man. At that time, I didn't know it was him. I do know it was him now. But I heard a voice of a man saying, take care of this one. He's mine. And I felt like that was the time that my guardian angel was appointed to me. And I got to hear that when I was real little. And, you know, I taught my mom. I said, I've heard that. I heard that. I don't know what that meant. But I heard him say, I, I, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how to say that. I, I do know this, that after that experience, when the spirit came on me so strong in that vision, it my life's no longer about me. I'm not really concerned about me. I'm more concerned about him because I know he can do something that I can never do. I can never point somebody's, I can never save anybody. I can't, I can't really help anybody other than to talk about him. So when I hear somebody talking about yourself a lot in the near death experiences, then I, I think maybe you missed the point, you know, maybe you missed something here. Maybe, Maybe you didn't. And I did ask him about, uh, I asked him about lots of things. I asked him about in- reincarnation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've read lots of near death experiences. Lots of people say reincarnation. And he told me to, uh, look at Job 14. And in Job 14, it says, it basically says when we die, we leave the earth and we can't come back to it until the heavens are no more. The heavens are telling, this is another understanding that I got from him. The heavens are telling the story of redemption. The Zodiac was created and uh, Orion and, and the bear and all of the Zodiac was to tell a story of salvation. And when that story of salvation is over, they'll be wiped away. And when they're wiped away, we can come back to this planet. And that's the resurrection. So that's what he told me about reincarnation. Because I also asked him, I said, why do people not know when they come out like I did? I mean, you you spoke to me. I knew who he was. And he he said, not everybody knows me. And just because you die don't don't mean that you're going to know me. And just because you have an experience out of the body doesn't mean that the thing that you're having an experience with can't deceive you. That's why the word of God is so important that it is the foundational part of what belief and truth is. And if you don't have that, then you really have nothing to go by. We can go anywhere with this. And so I was always trying to answer, ask him, you know, how, you know, these people are having these astral projections and these people are having near death experiences and never meeting you. And, the answer I got back from him is, is if they know me or if they're going to know me, then I will address them. And some people meet him and will never know him. They don't. If you don't realize that Jesus is the savior, he is the king of the heavens, that he's the king, that he is the one that died on the cross and gave himself for it. You don't recognize that and learn that here. You're not going to learn it there because we have to learn that we have to be born again of the spirit while we're in this body. 
And I'm just telling you what he has revealed because I've asked him these questions because I didn't understand why I was hearing all these different things. And he always answers me. He always, and he don't always answer me right away. It may be two weeks, but then he will always answer you. If you'll ask him a question, he'll always answer you. What do you think inspires you the most about your experiences? The hope. You know, I'm in a body that's dying. When I gave my life to Christ, he saved my soul. He saved my spirit, but my body, he did not save. Mm-hmm. It's got to die. And this experience, when I left my body and I got to experience life going on, not just believing in it, but I got to experience it. Life goes on. I have, I am in made in the image of God. He knit me together. He made me part of a family. My dad's name is Hadley. He will be forever connected to me. I will be forever connected to him and that we will go on. I'm not losing this. I'll, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll lose my house here. I lose a car. Guess what I get? I get an eternal house. I get to fly around without a car. You know, the, the, the next life is what I'm living for now. And I want to bring other people with me. That's what I want to do. I want to bring them with me. And I will enjoy the reward of looking over and seeing somebody that I have talked to about Christ that they get to enjoy all eternity too. I'll get that reward. So that's, that's what puts hope in me. That this ain't it. This is not it. That this body, yeah, it's going to grow old. Yeah, it's, I'm going to have trouble while I'm in it. And no, I don't look like I used to. I used to have hair and all that stuff. That's all coming back. And I'm going to be young again forever. And I'm not going to have to worry about death anymore because of Christ, what he did at the cross. And it's it's fulfilling. It's fulfilling. I enjoy things. Now that I never thought I would enjoy, I was too, too wrapped up in me to see things that now I see. Interesting that you said that. Are there any other changes in your personality that happened after your experiences? I can discern when something's not right, when there's a bad presence, when there's a bad, I'll tell you this. I ain't shared this with many people, so I'm going to give you something that I haven't shared much. After this experience, several years, I had two children. One of them's named Lindsay and one's named Chelsea. And Chelsea's the youngest. And so I was sitting under a, in my living room under a, a lamp reading my Bible one night. And there was an evil presence came into my house. And it was, it was, it almost made you want to throw up. It was so vile that it made me sick physically sick this thing was dirty and it spoke to me and it said i'm going to kill chelsea and i said no you're not going to kill chelsea you don't have the right don't you touch her i'm god's made me head of this house and you cannot touch her don't don't you touch her and you can't take her life well when my daughter was about 20, she's 27 now. So it's been three or four years ago. She got multiple sclerosis and it started making her go numb all the way up. And I started rebuking that 
demon. And that thing visited me before. Now, why did God allow that to happen to her? I do not know. But it ain't killed her, and it's not going to. But I could discern that that what that thing was when it came in to the house, and it did try to kill her. And uh, she's doing a lot better. She's actually pregnant right now, hmm. and so she's off her medicine and stuff. And and she's happy and whole and got a great testimony. But it would have killed her had they not had the medicines and stuff like that and prayer and and the way that situation unfolded, uh, it would have killed her, but it didn't, and it's not going to. So uh, that's one experience that I had. Do these experiences fade like a dream, or can you remember them as if it just happened yesterday? Relive it, just exactly. If I sit down and just start thinking about all the processes that it goes through, I relive it. I can still feel that rush when I went feet first up. I can feel that guy's hands grabbing my ankles and taking off with me. I can remember the sound of the Lord's voice when he said, take him back, it's not his time. I can see the glory that was coming out behind the mountain. And it's just as real now as it was while it was happening it's it's not like my other memories you know i i, I remember when i was a boy and some of that stuff fade away but the near-death experience it'll never fade i don't think it'll ever fade it's just a crisp and clear in the in the vision that i had i still can see it all i can just do is think about it i'll relive it all right well you have a book out what is the title of your book well during this thing, I started asking God questions. I asked him who the Antichrist was. I asked him what the tw- uh, seven-headed dragon meant. I asked him all kinds of things. And I got into, uh, there was a guy at my work shortly after this near-death experience. And he had said that um, the Lord had told him something. And me and him, we had, we didn't, we didn't have an altercation and we discussed it. And I didn't think he was right. And so I started studying it. And in the midst of that studying, the Lord spoke to me again. He said, he's right. And I said, well, if he's right, then how does this work? How, how's this whole end time thing work? And he said, I'm going to show you. And so, he just lifted off of me. He kind of sat down on me and told me that, and I could feel his presence lift off of me. And so I was reading in Isaiah 2, and I come across a phrase that I didn't know what it meant. It says, the day of the Lord is near. And I thought, what is the day of the Lord? And then the presence sat right back down on top of me. He said, that's it. If you understand what that means, you'll understand it all. And that was his words. So I went on this 30-year journey of trying to learn what the day of the Lord was. And so I, before, at that time, they didn't have the computer stuff out, and I, so I got my pencil and paper out, and I went, I went on. Well, I finally got it all together, and I told it to my brother, and he said, you got to write that down. You got to write that down. So I wrote it down, and I planned on publishing it. 
And so this was, I got, I got everything done in 2016 and I called up a, a, a place to publish it and they read the manuscript said, yeah, they want to publish it. And, uh, so I was getting ready to, and the Lord spoke to me, he said, it's not time for that. And I was like, it's not time for it. So I just kind of forgot about it. Stayed in my computer about three more years, 2019. I, I was like, well, maybe, maybe I'm not even supposed to do it. So as I thought about it, the enemy came in and started filling my mind with, yeah, he's never going to let you tell this, blah, 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 blah. Time went on. And I finally, I just deleted it. I deleted it. I deleted it out of my uh, recycle bin. I was done with it. I thought, well, God don't want me to do that. So another almost year went by. And I was sitting there. I'm an appraiser, a real estate appraiser. I'm sitting there doing my appraisal work. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, time to publish that book. And I said, you know, I can't publish that book. I erased it all. It's gone. And he didn't say nothing else. And so I started wondering, why would he tell me that? He knows that's gone. And so I clicked on my computer, typed in Day of the Lord, inside of a download file that I had never seen in my life. There was my last manuscript, and I pulled it up. And I told him, I said, all right, if you're going to do this, you've got to send me the money to do this. Well, I, I didn't much more say that in a few weeks I sold something big because I'm also a real estate broker. I sold something, what was one of the biggest sales I've ever had in my life and I had the money to do it. So I sent it off and I went through the process and uh, here it is. It's on Amazon. Oops, upside down. It's on Amazon. It's called Untying the Mysteries, the Day of the Lord. And this thing grew into something way bigger. When I started studying what the day of the Lord was, it grew into this thing. It's real big. And the uh, most powerful event that's ever going to happen is coming. And uh, that's, I'm telling you, everybody I've let read this said they get sucked into it. And it it's not something that you're going to read lightly. It's not something that you're going to, it's, that you're going to just glance through and, oh, ha uh-huh. ha it's going to make you have to sit and read and think it through because it, it's, it's my gift at work. So I don't know what else to say. <laughs> well, but, you just mentioned that the most powerful event is coming soon. How soon do you think it's coming? My book kind of tells you that. Hmm. Uh, in my last chapter, I get down to the nuts and bolts of that very thing. I personally, I, you can't know the day and the hour, and there's a reason you can't know. Right. And the reason is, is there's not going to be a day or hour. When Christ comes back, there's not going to be. The sun is out. It's gone. It it, it goes out, and it's in, it's in Isaiah. It's in Matthew 24, 29. says, immediately after tribulation, the day shall the sun be darkened. It says in Joel, before the day of the Lord comes, the sun shall be darkened. The solar system goes through this process of breaking up before Christ comes. And so 
I started on a journey of trying to understand it. And I came to Isaiah chapter five, verse 15. He makes a statement. He says, I'm going up where I was before. And the Lord caused me to understand that that was his ascension. And he said, uh, in your affliction, you will seek me. And he's talking to Israel in your affliction. You will seek me early. And then the next chapter, chapter six says, come, let us return to the Lord for he has tore us and he'll bind us up after two days. He will lift us up in the third day. We'll live in his sight. And so 2000 years from the time that Christ ascended is when I think he's coming back because of Hosea chapter five, that, that, that going up where I was before was the ascension. And that there's actually the scheme of things. There's two days of preparation, which was from Adam to Abraham. Then there's two days of sowing, which was from Abraham to Jesus. And then there's two days of reaping, which is from Jesus's ascension till the time he comes back. And I think that he died in AD 32. And that's where everything that I, you know, the, the prophecy about Daniel 70 weeks, it, it culminates on in Nisan of AD 32. It says in the gospels that John the Baptist came in the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar. Tiberius Caesar took, took uh, power in AD 14. That means John the Baptist came in 29. It said Jesus was about a year old when that happened. And so that's messing up some of these, some of the birth time that Jesus was birthed. But I believe he died. And there was a, there was a huge earthquake in AD 32 in Jerusalem that they found uh, in the uh, Dead Sea uh, layers of sediment. So I think AD 32 was the time that he ascended. And I think he'll come back in, t- in 2032 is what I think. You know, I don't want to give away your book too much, but are you willing to tell us who the Antichrist is? Uh, this particular book, I don't address that. Yes, I will tell you who he is. Now, you may not believe me, but let me preface it a little bit. I've studied this extensively, and uh, there are 12 things that the Antichrist does. And six of those things have been accomplished. And God is very meticulous about how he says things. So in the garden, whenever Adam and Eve is sinned, and he comes to them and they do the, you know, pass the buck thing, he says to the serpent, he said, because you've done this, the woman's, it, the woman's seed will bruise thy seed's head and you'll bruise his seed's heel. Now, not exactly word for word, but that's basic. But what I want you to pay attention to is the order in which it was said. The serpent gets his head bruised first. Then the woman's seed, which is Christ, gets his heels bruised second. But if one is bruising the other, that means they got to meet sometime. They have had to meet to have met. And, you know, it goes on and says that the Antichrist is a man that, he has a number and that he is the son of perdition. Well, Jesus in John 17 says, I've lost none of you, but the son of perdition. So one of those disciples was the son of perdition. 
And the only one of the disciples that he lost is Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot died first prior to Christ by the hanging of the head, the bruising of the head. Christ died by the crucifixion, which causes bruising in the heel. But Judas died first. So that's the order which God said it would happen. So the big thing about the Antichrist that people do not understand is they, oh, he's a man that's going to come on the earth. No, he's not. Revelation 17 says he ascends, the beast ascends out of the bottomless pit. And he goes into to destruction, into perdition, the son of perdition. And it says he was, that means he was alive. He is, he is not, which means he died. And yet he is, which means he comes back to life again. So this guy had to have been a man. He has to die. Well, the problem is, is they can't kill him. So my take on that is this, and this gets really deep. Is it all right if I throw something deep at you? (laughs) Go for it. Okay. I think that Judas Iscariot ascends out of the bottomless pit, and it's his soul. And he will appear. It says he has a dark countenance. Remember I told you it was dark in that soul area? And you can't kill him because he's already dead. Mm -hmm. You can't kill him. So if you go listen to some of the near-death experiences where they have hellish experiences and they say that it rips them and then they go back because they're the image of God, they come back into it, that's what he he is. It says in Psalms that my friend ate of my bread, and that's when Jesus dipped that morsel into the wine and gave it to Judas, he ate that unworthily, which brought a curse on him. And it was also a prophecy because the Antichrist destroys Christ's body when he comes. So he's chewing up Christ's body unworthily and swallowing it. And that's it's a, it, the Lord revealed to me that that is a metaphor showing what he's going to do. So Judas Iscariot, Jesus said, I've chose you 12, and one of you is a devil, speaking of Judas Iscariot. So what made him a devil? Well, it says when he dipped that and put it into his mouth, it said it didn't say an unclean spirit. It says Satan entered into him. So when two things become one, when a man and a, wife, a woman become one flesh, they're, they're one. When you get born again and the spirit of God goes into you, it says you're Whoever's one with the spirit of the Lord is one with the Lord. So whenever Satan and Judas became one, he became a devil. And Jesus' testimony is the spirit of prophecy. And he said, I've chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil. So he's, he was destined, he was destined to, to do that. So the Antichrist will be Judas Iscariot. I'm thoroughly convinced of it. Uh, he fulfills everything he's has. Oh yeah. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. So Judas stole the money. It was in the money bag. According to the gospel, he had Jesus killed, which is a murder. And it says he shall destroy. He's not done that yet. So he has to come back and fulfill his third thing. Um, it, it just on and on and on and on. Every time you get into it, you'll come back to Jesus to scare it. And a lot of people, Oh no, no, I didn't want it. 
Yeah, he's going to come back. He's going to send out a bottomless pit, and he's the he's the devil in flesh. It's interesting. I've never heard that version being considered before. Uh, I'll tell you one other thing that happened. That have you got time? We got time. Yeah, we got a, f- a couple more minutes. Okay, I want to tell you. I asked the Lord a question. Another, this is another deep question. I asked Him this question. I said, I don't understand how you got the lease of the earth back. It looks to me like Satan would have had to agree to sell you the earth because Adam had the lease on the earth. God gave it to him. He tricked Adam. Adam became his servant. Now it belongs to him. I said, I don't understand how you got it back. So in a series of events, he, he, he explained to me what happened. One was, was Melchizedek was received tithes from Abraham when Abraham went and got Lot. Then when Aaron became priest, he was allowed to receive tithes. Well, this tithe is God's money. So now God has money in the earth in the form of a tithe. So this Judas Iscariot, which is the devil man, goes to the priest who has God's money and makes an agreement. And while he makes that agreement, Satan has already entered into him because Jesus gave him the set. So he's got his hand out, the devil's in him, and he gets paid the 30 pieces of silver, which was the redemption for the earth. And it literally happened in the physical, and the Bible tells you how it happened. So Judas has to be the one because he has fulfilled everything that has been foretold except the coming back out and the destroying of God's people, which is what the Antichrist does. All right. Well, besides being an author and Working in real estate, you got anything else going on that you want us to know about? I'm an auctioneer. I talk fast numbers. <laughs> uh, I'm also a musician. I'm a lead guitar player. I sing backup harmony. Mm-hmm. I've played guitar since I was 20. I started out on the drums, mm-hmm. and then I switched to guitar because I like to sing, and it's hard to sing and play drums. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm. you can go to Encompass church TN and see our service and you'll see me up there picking the lead guitar for the service. So I love music. I love, I love to write music. I got girls that can sing. I just enjoy it. That's great. All right. Well, before we wrap it up, do you have one last positive message that you want to share with everyone? Jesus is who he said he was. Trust him. He loves you. He loves you so much that it's not, able to be conveyed in words um there is a heaven there is a hell i didn't see the hell but i asked him about it and it's just a matter of a choice if you choose to dwell in him and make him your lord you'll live with him forever if you refuse to him you're going to go to a dimension that he does not manifest in and it's going to break his heart because he loves you and don't he he's perfect and he don't make mistakes, but you have the choice to accept him for who he is and he's God. All right, thank you for that message. And I forgot to ask you before we go here, do you have a website? Do not. Do not. All right. Well then we Christian can- Faith Publishing, who published my book, is supposed to make one, but I do not have one as and, of now. And again, you can find it on Amazon, right? Amazon, iTunes, Barnes and Nobles, Books a Million. It's, it's there. You can do a search on Untying the Mysteries, do a search on Shane Carter, 
or day of the Lord, you'll eventually find it. All right, Shane. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you. I wish you massive success in whatever you're doing and have a great evening. Jeff, it's been a pleasure and thank you for the opportunity. I'll watch your podcast and I enjoy what you're doing. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, have a great evening. God bless. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.